Yeah. Hey, can we actually just stay standing? Sorry. Yes. You didn't know you are coming for a workout. <laughs> stay standing. I want to take a second before we move on. Whether you've met them or not, uh, the lead pastors of our church and of our movement, um, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne Matesius, are amazing. Not only are they personal heroes to me, but they are heroes in the faith. They, they lead our church so, so well. And it's appropriate to take a second just to honor them. So could we honor Pastor Jurgen and Leanne? I know they're not here, but they can hear us some way. And as well, if we could clap as well for your campus pastors, Pastor Vince and Becca. They are incredible. To see the growth here just since July is amazing. Take care of them, love up on them, uh, buy them things. I think Venmo's fine, they told me. So. Take your seats, take your seats. And I was also able to be in worship. Great job, worship team. Thank you so much. How good were they? Incredible. Next to the golden birthday pipes of Pastor Kelsey. And I don't know how I can't preach a great message now because of that. So I'm so, I'm so excited to be here with you all. Um, excited to share what God has, has put on my heart. I, I found a new, a new reason to love Salt Lake City. Could I share that with you? Yes. Uh, so firstly, my name is Jim. I'm a recovering meathead. Uh, there, there is no 12-step program, actually. It's just increasing levels of cardio. Um, and as you can see, I don't work out often. <laughs> when I do, cardio isn't my best friend. But we have this thing in San Diego called cryotherapy. Has anybody ever heard of cryotherapy? Yeah. Yeah. I don't need it here in Salt Lake City. It's amazing. I can finish my workout and then just walk outside, yeah. and I save myself a whole lot of money. It just, yeah. I just stand there for about 10 minutes. I have a new way to love Salt Lake City. Um, what else about me? Uh, maybe we could chuck that, that picture up there of my family. I am I'm a father. Yes. That's my beautiful wife, Issa, next to me. This, these are our daughters, Chloe, over here on the left. Lily, here on the right. Yes, that is my shirt. They steal my clothes all the time. Um, this, is, this is the day of flannel. And that little alien in the picture, right in the middle, is our son, who is due to be born June the 21st. Yeah. That's right. I won't say anything inappropriate there, okay? I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm not going to say anything. Um, so yeah, um, we're really bummed that my wife Issa couldn't be here, but because of the pregnancy, we just wanted to make sure that I was the one flying alone. So she, you will meet her at some point in time. Um, I'm a football coach. You'll, you'll hear me called coach sometimes. This is a picture. This is my first head coaching job. I've been coaching for nine years, five collegiate, four high school. And this is my these are the Horizon Prep Lions, the most feared eight-man football team in all of San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> we had 12 kids to play eight-man football, and I got to tell you, it was just an absolute blast. It was so much fun. Um, God can use you wherever you serve. I, I, love, I love the fact that Pathfinders is being rolled out here because, um, you know, there, there used to be this paradigm that if you wanted to minister, well, you had to be a minister. You had to be a missionary or a worship leader or, let me tell you, being able to minister to those boys, there's, there's, we combined with a non-Christian school, and we were a Christian school. We got three of those boys saved just playing football. You know what I mean? Like, God will use you wherever. Um, my wife and I own a small holistic health business and this, you know, really, I don't know, it's okay to live in San Diego, I guess, but it's in this awesome neighborhood called Solana Beach up on the coast. We live like three quarters of, the mi of, the, you know, of a mile from the ocean, um, but it's got nothing on your mountains, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. It's just blue and it goes on forever. What's so cool about it? I don't know. Um, we're finishing out our Make and Break series here, y'all. Yeah. 
And you'd be surprised to know this, but as a football coach, I can actually get kind of intense. So just a caveat, if I start yelling, I'm not yelling at you. I'm probably yelling at the person next to you. And it's, not, it's because I really want breakthrough in your life. I also can be very cerebral, I can be very intense, but my intention is in that, again, is, is to get us down today to maybe depths and levels in God yeah. that the beauty of the church is the collective weight can get us all down there together. Yeah. I've noticed as an athlete, it's always easier to run sprints with other people. <laughs> the pain I experience is easier in the collective. That, my, my job is today to maybe be your scuba instructor. I'm just going to help you get down to some depth of God, but we're all going to go together, okay? All right? You guys cool? Cool. We're going to read some scripture, and then like I'd say to my team, then we're going to go to work. Here we go. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read 14 verses, starting in verse 36. The word says this. Then Jesus went out with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here. While I go over there and pray, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you have come to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for these words. Thank you for this picture in scripture you have given me. Help your servant to be accurate in the way that you deliver this message to your people through me. And God, let it minister to each and every one of us exactly as you need. Use the Holy Spirit to bring as much help into our lives as you possibly can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to preach to you today a message called A Crash Course in Courage. A Crash Course in Courage. You know, courage itself is formed from a Latin word, core. And the word core means heart. One of the initial definitions that was given for courage was to tell all of one's mind truthfully from one's heart. You want a challenge in your life? Start speaking your heart truthfully one unto another. That, that takes courage enough, but this was the idea of courage early on. If I can put it to you, it was that I, if my heart had an aperture, like, like these lights do, like it could be closed off, it was that I was meant to let so much light into my heart, regardless of what it exposed, I was to communicate that to people around me. That is true courage. I see Jesus giving the disciples 
exactly that kind of crash course here. What do I mean? Let's set the scene. There was now 11 disciples. They had just come from the upper room, and Jesus was about to enter into the passion. He was about to step in to be whipped, to be beaten, to be flayed open, to be mocked, to have the beard pulled out of his face. I told you he was going to go deep. He was about to be crucified for everyone for all time. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? He was about to step into pressure, but this moment in time is actually his deciding point. He hadn't yet been launched into that destiny, and here we see him struggling with that. They just came from the upper room. He had just predicted that Peter would deny him. Before that, they had had the Last Supper, and now Judas has already left, so there are 11 disciples with him, and he leaves eight of them here, then takes Peter, James, and John, as was his custom, and pulls them close with him. And then he himself goes a little closer. What was he getting close to? I want you to picture for a second every mistake you've made, everything you've stolen, every murderous thought, every lustful act, everything. If, if somehow you could take all of the things opposing the will of God in your life and fit them into a bag, and somehow this bag has weight, and that's your life, Imagine Jesus kneeling and praying in this scenario and you walking over and putting that bag right on him. Now multiply that by just alive on earth today, seven billion bags. The spiritual pressure present, Jesus was half man, but also fully divine. And he was here reckoning with, feeling the weight of, the pressure of all sin, of all all time. And he had to do it. You hear the verbiage, God, I feel this now. I am courageously feeling everything that I am meant to move forward into. But if, it, if there's any other way, I'm still going to do your will. Nevertheless, I will do your will. But feeling this, if there is any other way, this is what Jesus is going through in this moment. So much so that the gospel of Luke says he was sweating as if drops of blood. Now, I'm going to get into a story that, that I've been through in my life, but, but think about this. If you were going through that, would you bring anyone with you? I wouldn't. I'm so selfish in my pain. I, I, I don't want anyone really to see me hurting if I'm honest. But look at what happens. He, he, imagine this black swirling cloud of sin and degradation and doubt and shame. And Jesus boldly and courageously goes to happen to it. At the same time, he allows it to happen to him. That's really the definition of courage that I put to you. Some people will just go, well, I'll let the situation happen, but I'm walled off. I'm not going to happen to it. Other people go, well, I'll go happen to the situation, but they don't really let the situation get into them. Are you following what I'm saying? Jesus was saying, no, the example I am going to set, because everything he did was perfect. Everything he did was divine. He's saying, even in my greatest weakness, I will be open. So much so that as a reminder, he had his hands nailed to a cross to say, I don't close off for anything. That is what we are dealing with here. But I find it interesting to note, and I hope you will as well, that he commands the disciples to pray with him so that they 
might not fall into temptation. This makes me to think that he himself was struggling with temptation. But he handled it in such a way that his prayer kept him from being in temptation. Look at the response. Look at the response. Look at the difference in the response. Disciples are here, eight, three, Jesus. Three times he goes to check on his disciples. Maybe once for each disciple, Peter, James, John, are you with me, are you with me, are you with me? Maybe he's praying three times and then going back to check, but he's going, did you just get what I just got? Did you just see what I just saw? Are we close enough in lockstep with Jesus that if he moves, we move? That if he stops, we stop? Are our hearts tuned to the message of heaven that the Holy Spirit can communicate directly to us? He was asking that the disciples step into this place in this realm of courage. Well, betrayal now walks into the garden. Splitting the eight, here comes the three. Look at the response. Eight disciples. In the words of Duck Dynasty, they gone. <laughs> These disciples were already being asked to pray, but they start the temptation early. They start to numb out. They start to sleep. The pain is so present, they can't handle it. And then Peter, being who Peter is, the New Yorker of the group, gets up, cuts off a guy's ear, goes, good, now that's dealt with. <laughs> Jesus is like, give me that. Stick it back on. Pete, what are you doing? <laughs> Under the pain and pressure, we have a temptation to flee. We have a temptation to numb out. We have a temptation to want to manipulate, to want to control. Jesus is saying, true courage is this. When betrayal walks into my life, when angst walks into my life, when doubt walks into my life, I will do such deep spiritual work that it comes towards me, embraces me intimately. I can walk towards it and say, friend, friend, do what you have come to do. I went through my own crash course in courage this last year. I got to learn what it was to let a situation happen to me and to allow myself through really support systems and, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I got to learn to let it happen to me, to build me, to mold me, to call my deepest, darkest nightmares friend. Here's how that happened. February the 10th, I said we started this year off pregnant with a little boy. Well, we started last year off pregnant with a little boy too. And on February the 10th, we were just under 22 weeks pregnant, and we went into the triage down at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital in San Diego, and, and we thought we were just going for a bladder infection or a routine checkup, and my wife got in, and the, the OBGYN checked her out, and she looked her dead in the eye. She said, honey, I'm so sorry. You're going into labor. You're going to be admitted. And, and the whirlwind of all of our dreams, of everything we had want, in, in almost going, no, no, this is, this is not happening. I can empathize with Peter because Jesus says to him, I'm going to die. This, this is your dream. You thought I was here as a Messiah to overthrow Rome, to make sure that nobody felt any pain ever. That's not my journey. I'm going to go through a lot of pain, Pete. And Peter says, no way. And Jesus is so against it, he goes, well, get behind me then, Satan. I had such an expectation. No, 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 Doc. I, I, I'm, I appreciate your opinion. It's very learned. But no, this is actually not how this is supposed to happen. Right. And I was unprepared. My wife was unprepared. 
And, and the doctors pulled us aside and said, yes, you, you're going to deliver. And our, our daughters were also in town. They, they split time between us and, and my, my wife's ex. She was married 10 years prior. Went to school here in Salt Lake City, actually. And I had to go home to, to pick them up and deal with them. We said, said to them, hey, we'll be home from the hospital in no time. But we weren't. And I went home, and, and I said, babe, I'm, I'm 20 minutes away. Just call me if anything happens. And my wife calls me at about midnight and says, hey, the doctor needs to speak with you. And I said, okay. And the doctor says, Mr. Rooney, I'm so sorry. I have some bad news. Your, your wife is dilated to the point that I don't think the child is going to stay in. And he's 22 weeks old. He, there's no viability at this point in time. He's not going to live. You, you have to come down here. And the, the option given to us was he was going to live for anywhere from five minutes to 40 minutes, and we would get to hold him and then take him to God. Well, my wife had heard the name Callan in a prayer time, not in a baby book, but right from God, a word from God can change everything, regardless of how you hear it. And <laughs> she heard the name Callan, and it just so happens that the name Callan means powerful in battle or brave little battler. Well, Monday comes around, and that little sucker still hadn't been born. We were told he was going to be born about 20 minutes later. Well, I go, there's got to be a different plan then, Doc. Something else is going on. Can we get together? We weren't going to try and resuscitate him because of the, the, the huge, huge challenge these young babies experience developmentally. We thought it wouldn't be fair to him. What kind of life would that have been? That's not God's design for him. And nor do I think for one moment, church, by the way, that this was God's intention for us. I don't believe for one second that God somehow removed his hand off it. No, 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 this, this was my Gethsemane moment. God was in it. It just didn't look like I thought it would look. So to come to the end of this, four days later, my son Callan was born. He's not supposed to come out crying at 10, 22 weeks. He did. I'm not going to tell you about the bumper sticker I want to print that says, my 22 week is stronger than your honor student. I'm not going to tell you about that. <laughs> but he comes out and they get a tube in him. They get it right in his lungs. Then they have to go through his umbilicus so that they can literally feed him. They create an entire artificial womb. And then, you guys want to see his picture? Yeah. This is his picture. That's my son, Cal. That's my brave little battler. And that little son of a gun fought for 21 days, the longest living 22-weeker in Sharp Mary Birch, Birch NICU history. And we had miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. So we even had 21 days with our son. And finally, on the 20th day, he developed a massive infection, which is what takes most of these guys out. And we knew, my wife and I, from the start, it was our job to get him home one way or another. And through prayerful support, we realized that this was that moment. This was that moment to take him back to God. And they prepared us a room, room 88 over on the side. And we get to be with him and hold him. And eventually take him off the life support that was keeping him alive. And it was the most peaceful moments we had. As my son returned to his heavenly father. And he passed. And we were left with doubt and with shame, and I can tell it with words from my head right now, but if I'm honest, it was excruciating. I was on staff with the youth ministry at C3 San Diego for three years. I had coached young men in football since I graduated from college, literally the day after. I had spent my life in developing other people's children, and now it was time for God to help me develop mine. Where are you? 
I'm part of a church that believes in miracles and prays for miracles. And I see other people get miracles all the time. I'm just being honest. Just like Jesus was in that moment. I'm allowing you to come close to the epicenter of my pain. This is where breakthrough happens. Where are you, God? And I had doubt. And I had shame. And I felt I couldn't do the one thing as a father I wanted to do to protect to provide, to fight for, nothing I did seemed to work. And the healing process from there to here, I tell you the truth. If anyone has a pin, drop it. We'll all get that analogy out. <laughs> I can put myself in each one of these positions. I just don't even know how to be here right now. Oh my gosh, this is so painful and so close. This is so awkward. I, I see my son going through so much pain and dealing with it like he is closer to God than I am, fighting for his life. And I don't know how to feel. I, I want to control and I want to fall asleep and I want to numb out and I want to run. Has anyone ever been through pain like that? And then there's the example of the man who I'm supposed to be like and failing daily and going nevertheless. I will love the nurses. I will love the doctors. I will be a part of my church community. When inside, I felt like I wanted to curl up in a ball and go away for a while. My dream was dead. So I find it incredible that Jesus lets us in this deeply. You don't know how much I needed that. If you've been in that, you get me here. How deeply you need an example to say, I know this was hard, buddy. I know this was tough, sweetheart, but let me tell you something. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. What does it look like to have the deepest parts of our life so in alignment with God's purpose, the greatest pain, suffering, that we can step up to them as Jesus did and call them friends? How, how could I transform? And I truly do. I look at the story with my son, Cal, and my wife does the same where we go, God, we cannot believe the glory you've gotten out of this. And guess what? Even sitting here talking to you, the devil came after the thing that was most important to me. The devil came into the place that he was attacking me. Oh, my turn now. It is my turn to bring freedom to other people. It is my turn to use the thing which was intended for evil to say, no, 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 that was God's. And I will use that for good. What does it look like to do that with your situation? I'm so glad you asked out loud right now. <laughs> Jesus shows us in three simple words. Three simple words. Watch with me. Watch with me. Watch. You know, I love the movie King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. It came out a couple years ago. Anyone seen that one? Woo! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you know, now you know. Okay? It's an incredible movie. But in it, King Arthur, his, his family is attacked. His, his parents, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert. I won't tell you the end, okay? He's, he has to sail away because there's an... King Vortigan steps in, his, the brother of Uther Pendragon, who, who, is, who has gotten the sword, the, the legend of the sword and the stone, and, and his brother steps in, usurps the throne. They die, and Arthur goes down the boat in a river, is raised in a brothel, finds terrific success in that brothel 
eventually has no idea of his real identity until the sword itself is revealed, the sword that was attached to his purpose, his identity, his bloodline, the power that was rightfully his. And he finds it when eventually he takes the sword out of the stone, people are looking around, and he falls because he himself, like the disciples, cannot contain the power that is present. He falls under it. And he goes through this journey, but the freedom in that journey, watch, the freedom in that journey comes as he looks so deeply into the painful past that he had that finally he reckons with his identity. His spiritual guide in the journey says to him as they send him into this place called the Darklands, and the music's awesome, and I'm telling you, it's just such a, guys, you need to see this movie, okay? (laughs) So he has no idea. He goes in, and she says to him, did you see what you needed to see? Did you look away? And eventually, at the end of the movie, he himself has a chance to fight his evil uncle. And he's finally learned portions of the power of his sword to get him into that environment. And there's Vortigan and he, and they have kind of this battle, and Vortigan knocks him down one time, and it's almost like it hits a repeat and he has a vision. And there is his father kneeling. And he looks his father in the eye, and his father says, You don't have to run anymore, son. You don't have to look away. Take the sword. It's yours, son. And he takes the sword and he kind of gets up off the ground. And he looks at Vortigan again. He goes, you wondered what gave me such drive. It was you. You put me in that brothel. You cut me on the streets. I am here because of you. You created me. And I won't tell you how the second fight goes, but... Needless to say, he finds his identity by forcing his eyes to watch the one thing that he does not want to look at. What freedom is here for you, church? What incredible healing from those places that they come up in your heart and go, nope, no thank you. Nope, did you look away? Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord like the watchman waits for the morning. I will look into the darkness until I see the slightest sliver of light. I looked into the situation for my son and go, all I feel is pain. All I feel is defeat. But God, where are you? I need to see you so that I can follow. Are you with me? Do you hear me? What could you look at today that you have been forcing into the side halls of your life? What could you stand to look at? Now, here's the beauty. Jesus doesn't just say, watch or watch me. He says, watch with me. See, Arthur was not just looking into that place alone, nor was I. I don't stand as a watchman on my own behalf looking for the Lord. I stand because there's a purpose and a call on my life that goes so much bigger and so much deeper. There's a worship band up here to support me. There's a connect group here that can stand with me. I called Pastor John the Monday when I heard that my son was going to be born. Pastor John Heinrichs, who Pastor Vince said was going to come out here. On the way to the hospital, I I dropped my girls off, and I knew the fight we were in for, even if it was just to send my son home. And I called John. I said, John, I don't have faith. I need your faith. I don't have faith. And that Monday, February the 11th, was a turning point for me. He prayed with me. And he stood with me, and then he came to the hospital and prayed with us. See, that man, his testimony is incredible. He was in a hospital, much like we were, with his kidneys in total failure. And someone came and prayed for him, and he experienced a radical miracle. And that's part of where he is even, I'm telling you, you created me. 
the thing which the devil has done against your life, too many of us have given the ground of our deepest pain to the enemy because we don't have someone. Let me tell you, nobody plays football alone. Me and my squad versus (laughs) you and your squad, that sounds good because at least I have a squad. Are you doing life alone? Can I tell you, that moment, our church, thousands of people were praying for us. I didn't even want to share it. People started GoFundMes for us. The level of support still humbles me to this day. Watch with. Watch with. We are called to be witnesses. Not just of what God is doing in our lives, but what God is doing in the lives of the believers around you. There is no greater container for the power of God, no greater fireplace for the fire that he brings than the local church and the way that it functions. C3 has been the most amazing example of that in mine and my wife's life. When the chips were down, they were there. When we didn't know what to do, they were there. They still are. I wouldn't be standing here today without somebody, as I was faltering, putting their hand on my shoulder. No, you stand. You stand firm. That's who you are. Who could do that for you here? Who have you not let into what you're truly going through? Is Eric in here who gave the the offering message? Somewhere on the high team? Eric, that was incredible. What an amazing word and testimony. Being willing to bear. I mean, we're we're not supposed to talk about our dark side. Here he is telling us exactly the debt number that he was in. How brave, how bold. I will speak my mind fully from my heart, knowing that God will get the glory in what other people are able to do for me in this church. What could you not do? If you stepped into that, I know it's been kind of dark. Watch with. Here's where it starts to get light again. Watch with me. You have the keys come up. It's fine. Watch with me. You see, (laughs) Jesus in this example is showing himself to be the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. There is a meekness to this Christian life. There is an overcomingness. There is a, Paul says in, first, in Colossians, he says, for this I suffer. There's a portion of suffering, he's saying, that only I can fulfill. No one else could have walked through that story with my son how I could have. That was mine. You have yours. But he says, I do this. I go through this to present you mature. Do you realize that your greatest struggle is attached to your ministry? To your destiny? There's been people in this auditorium, you've been beat up by a religious spirit saying, you don't check this box and you don't do that and you don't do that. I brag in my weakness. I boast in the fact that I didn't know what to do because I was able to watch with who was saying the word. Yes, he's the lamb. Yes, he was slain. But that same God is also the lion. He is the same God that went down, robbed the keys of death and hell, stood on the devil's head, crushed him underfoot, that wouldn't back down, that wouldn't stop, that would take the pain until everyone was free, till everyone was free. He is still willing to bring his miracle-working power into each and every life because he paid for each and every life. The last moments with my son were truly incredible. God had one 
anchor to show me. You see, as I was holding my son from the last time and the jet respirator going, it sounds like that's my son breathing. And I feel him close to my heart. And I know it's going to be the last time that he and I hang out here. I prayed as clearly as I have ever prayed anything. And I pray. I've walked with God. I, I know. I have a long way to go, but I have come a long way. And I say, God, if you hear prayers, then I need you to hear this. In this room, it was just me, the wife, my wife, and our favorite nurse. I said, in this room, I don't just want to feel your angelic presence. I want to feel that. I don't want to just feel your peace. I want to see. I want to experience that. But I want to see what my son is about to see. I want to see it in this room. I need some consolation. I need something to keep going. I need an anchor. I've been watching. I've been watching with. But I need you. And he passes, and I don't see a darn thing. I said, okay, God, one more thing to take up with you later. I got an item list now. <laughs> and I walk out to my car, and a man calls me named Brian Buffini, and Brian is a mentor of mine. He, he is a friend of mine. He, he and his wife, Beverly, were so supportive and so amazing. He's the type of man that if he calls, you answer. <laughs> but I had a good excuse, so I didn't. And I go to get my wife's car. We had driven separately that day, and I, I put her in it, and I, I'll never forget the moment. I said, baby, I, I, don't, I don't know what we do now, but I know we drive home. And that driving home meant we left our dream in that hospital behind us. I don't know where this river takes us, but look what God does. So I'm driving home, and I say, do I call this guy back? And I'm like, yeah, I, I actually, I should. And I, I call him, and he says, hey, how you doing, Jim? And I said, Mr. B, not so good. Callan passed away. And he said, what time? What time? What are you talking about? I said, oh, well, actually, Mr. B, time of death was pronounced at 5.55 p.m. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, I went down to pray at Torrey Pines Beach. It's a beautiful beach in Northern California, Northern San Diego beaches where the golf tournament was played. He said, I went down there, and, and to be honest, I wasn't praying for you. <laughs> and I, I believe him. He's got enough going on in his life where I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. And he said, I went down to see the sunset, and if I'm honest, I missed it. It was all gray. It was completely gray. And I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself, and, and I was just praying through some stuff that was heavy on my heart, and I felt like the Lord put on my heart to take a picture of the sky, and my initial thought was, that's stupid. It's just gray. And he said, I looked down to take a picture of my phone, and the time I saw was 5.55 p.m. And I went to take a picture of the gray sky, and when I went to take it, what had been gray was the most beautiful sunset that I had ever seen. And the Lord said to me, Callan is mine. Trust me. Brian, you are mine. Trust me. His oldest son is named AJ. AJ is mine. Trust me. And that's the picture he texted me right in that moment. God, I want to see it. I want to see your power. I want to see your glory. 
I need an anchor in time. And he reaches through time and space to say, oh, I got you, buddy. You can watch. You can watch with, but you're watching with me. You're watching with the God that can still lift you up, that never will leave you nor forsake you, that will bring the miracle power into your life now. You see, my son was always in bed 66. I hated it. Six is the number of man, two times at the number of man. God says, oh, you, you think it's too big for me? 555, the number of grace, one time covered, two times covered, one more time covered. And the difference in the due dates between that son and this son is four days. The number of creation, the number of recreation. If you don't think that I've been through it, that I have looked at my lions, I have looked at my bears, that I have gone, I'm leaving my heart wide open to this, wide open, and my God shall supply all your needs. Can we give God a clap for what he has done, for what he is still willing to do? Everyone, if you could, in this place, under this spirit, like I said, I, I know it's heavy. But if he can bear under it, if he can bring us close and teach us, what freedom could he bring to you? What miracle story could he still do in your life, in the deepest, darkest place of your pain? Maybe you've watched for a while. Maybe you have been faithful in life. Maybe you've even watched with some people, watched with some stories, watched with some things. But maybe you've never watched with him. Across this place with every head bowed and every eye closed. In this place, if you know that you've been doing it on your own, not just away from other people, but away from God, away from the one who can bear up under everything you're going through, everything you've been through, everything you will go through. He still wants you to watch long enough to see that he is still there. And if you need a miracle, if you need him to come back into that place, be the Lord of your heart once again. All I'm going to ask you to do on the count of three is just lift your hand. And we'll all pray together. One, two, Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, 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 thank you. Let's give it one more minute. Thank you, thank you in the middle. I see you up in the back. Thank you, thank you, buddy. I see your hand. So many hands up across this room. So many hands. I'd like to ask you to do something bold. See, Jesus brings the disciples' danger close, not to hurt them, to show them that nothing can possibly hurt them. But it takes courage and boldness on their part. It takes their willingness to be open. So if you've just raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Because we want to stand with you and we want to pray with you. If you raise in your, hand this, your hand in this place, could you do, do something bold? It's not to embarrass you. It's not to call you out. It's to let that God draw us close to you. Could you just stand to your feet? If you raise your hand, could you just stand up? Thank you. Thank you. Can we clap for these people as they stand? Incredible. Incredible. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. Come on, keep clapping. Stand. It's not to embarrass you. And let's pray this together as a church. Let's pray this. Can everybody stand with them? Can everybody stand with them as a sign of solidarity? We've all prayed it. We've all said it. We've all been in need in that way. We've all asked God to come into this place in our lives. So as a church, just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you are willing to take over every part of my life. I declare that God is my father. Heaven is my home. That Jesus has made me clean from this day and every day going forward. He is my Savior, and He is my Lord, and I will serve Him. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give those people a clap?